Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our latest episode of the Brendan Burns Podcast. Joining us today is Jordan Tripp. Now, Jordan is a professional, former professional MLB baseball player, played for the Oakland A's, and he is now the CEO and founder of the 365 Sports Academy, investor and trainer. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Brendan. My pleasure. I'm so excited for this episode. And I was wondering if we could just get started with you walking us through your background, kind of where you're from and how baseball became a big part of your life. Yeah. So I grew up in Orange County, California, kind of the baseball hotspot, um, if you will, kind of in the world. Um, and I grew up, I had an older brother who's about four and a half years older than me. And he was always playing baseball. Um, always active. And, and as a young kid growing up, you know, I always looked up to my brother and kind of just followed him around everywhere he went. And, uh, you know, I went around playing with him, him and his buddies. I started getting really into baseball. Um, I continued to play. Once I got into high school, I kind of uh, shifted away from football and the other sports I was doing and, and really got heavily invested into baseball. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to earn a scholarship to Cal State Fullerton. Um, I then transferred to junior college, played two years there, did really well. And, uh, yeah, I was drafted seventh round by the Oakland A's in, uh, 2010. So it was that's, awesome. That's awesome. Uh, such a cool story. Now, at what point when you were going through this process, did you realize <laughs> that you had, because I, I guess there's a lot of people who play in high school and they're wondering, you know, am I good enough to play in college? And then you get to college and it's like, am I good enough for the professional level at both yeah. of those two steps? When did you realize that you could go to the next level? to make that yeah yeah that's a great question um honestly it it probably wasn't until um that last year of college until i was like okay wow i think um, i think i could be a pro prospect um you know the difficult thing about baseball is that um it takes a long time to really transfer um the skills and the techniques and the mechanics that you work on in practice to a game setting and, and, and so, again, for me, it really wasn't until that last year of college when I really started getting heavily scouted um, that I was like, okay, I, I think I could be a pro prospect here. It, it, it really took that long. You know, I did well in high school. My senior year, I did really well. I don't know, 500 in league and all these awards and accolades. But I wasn't, I wasn't a professional prospect at that time. Got it. Yeah, that's, that's, so, that's so interesting. And, um, and then and what, did you, what did you see, I guess, in terms of when you were playing in college? Were there any habits or techniques? Like how much of it, for example, was like just pure skill that you were born with versus things that you did in the clubhouse and the gym on your own to get to the next level? Right. Yeah. Um, so the summer before my senior year of high school is, is kind of when I really took my skills to the next level, when I noticed a huge jump in how, how well I was doing in a game. And, and, and what I did that summer was I got on a specific training program. So my brother, Brandon, um, he started his professional career that same time. So when I was a junior going to be a senior he was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles I took his training program and implemented it all summer and that's when I really took off and so for me that was the biggest thing it was it was a diet program it was a training program and it was a it was a baseball specific program um, and then it was just being consistent with it and, and being disciplined enough to miss hanging out with friends or miss going on vacations to to work on being a better athlete and and doing games and doing practices and putting in all that extra work. Got it. Yeah. So you had your, sounds like a very fortunate situation where you were able to inherit this really solid program. 
but you you also had the discipline and discipline is something that I've been studying a lot lately just in my own life because I found that whether it's with my career with Wall Street with anything that I've tried to get out and accomplish you have to have a program or a strategy but I can I can go to someone and say here's here's Jordan Tripp's the best baseball training program in the world and yep. they could be very skilled and hung but if they don't have either that hunger or that discipline so do you think that that discipline that you had was genetic, something you're born with? Do you think discipline can be taught? Because obviously you're now training a lot of people and do you, do you teach that as well? Yeah, I think, it, you know, for me, I think discipline is one of the biggest things. Um, like I tell my remote athletes and clients that I train, you know, I can write up the best program for you. I can write up the best diet program, but if you don't have the discipline to stick to it, then, you know, you're going to be taking two steps forward, one step back. And, and for me, you know, it took a long time for me to, um, you know, kind of get in the habit. And it's almost just like developing a routine. You know, everyone that I talk to, all my, all my friends and, and family, they're like, oh, I don't know how you, I don't know how you do this every day. I don't know how you, you know, you're going here, you're going there. But for me, it comes natural because I've done it for so long. You know, I'm, I'm on a strict schedule. I'm on a routine. I go here, I go there, I do this, I do that it's all set and it's, and it's easy. Um, but, but it did take time for me to get there for sure. And, and, and I think it can be taught, you know, just kind of like anything, you need a mentor of, of, of this to kind of guide you on how to stay disciplined with the program and uh, strategically schedule everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true. And so, so you said you were playing in college around senior year, you kind of started to get prospected. You thought you could make it to the next level drafted by the Oakland A's. Then yep. what happened? Yep. So my sophomore year, my sophomore year of college, when I was 20 years old, um, what was when I really took off, I was drafted by the Oakland A's seventh round 2010. Um, I signed with them probably about a month later. And then I, uh, you know, I took off to, uh, I took off to their spring training facility over in Phoenix played that year. Um, I played that year. And then I think after, yeah, the last, I think it was the last game of that season. Um, I got hit on the wrist or the hand, uh, by a fastball. And, um, when I went home to California, I was still having issues. So I got extra, I got it checked out and, and unfortunately I needed, I needed a minor surgery to kind of clean things up. So, uh, yeah, that was the first experience in pro ball. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Don't crowd the plate. <laughs> yeah, seriously. High and in. Jeez. So, okay. So that happened. And then what was recovery like and, and where'd you go from there? Yeah. So the recovery on that was actually pretty easy. You know, I mean, I did miss a little bit of time. I had a, you know, a little bit of soreness and, and tightness after, but it, it was a really minor procedure. Um, so I went back to, to spring training, uh, of 2011. So my first full spring training, um, mm-hmm. and that went, that went really well. I stayed and then I stayed back in at their facility and I trained up until June when I went to uh, their short season, in Vermont, uh, Vermont Lake monsters, um, so that was cool to kind of experience that area. And I, and I traveled all around like Connecticut, New York, Pennsylvania, um, kind of the Northeast, uh, playing against other clubs. Mm-hmm. That, that's so cool. And, yeah. and, and one thing that we were talking about offline before this was I was kind of sharing from my experience, like, you know, as, as a coach, I've worked with athletes in the past and a lot of them, uh, share with me so many interesting stories about kind of what it's like being behind the scenes as a professional yep. athlete, it's not all like, Oh, I'm Aaron Rodgers. Here's my $20 million paycheck every year. And right. here's my, you're going to shoot these commercials <laughs> with Peyton Manning about Oreos and make another 20 million. There's a yep. lot of 
there's a lot more people behind the scenes, a lot of different yep. levels. And I was just curious, like what were the biggest things that you were surprised with, either good or bad, just kind of behind the scenes, behind all the glamour of, you know, the, the starting shortstop on the Yankees. Like what's, what's kind of behind the scenes in the pro, pro baseball world? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you one, kind of one of the biggest things that surprised me, and, and it was actually with Manny Ramirez. So when I, when I was, I think it was my second year of pro ball, Manny Ramirez had just signed with the Oakland A's. I think he was serving a suspension. So he was at our spring training facility. And, and at that same time, I was trying to avoid my second and my third surgeries. Um, so I was there with him. And, and, you know, I was always the first guy at the facility. I think it was around 6 a.m. I'd get there. Um, once Manny arrived, you know, I would get there at 6 AM and, and it was crazy. The first, the first day that he was there, I walk up and I'm like, who's, who's in the cage right now? Like, what's going on? This is, this is weird. Someone's in the cage hitting. And, uh, you know, I walk in the clubhouse and I ask what's going on. And, uh, it was Manny, it was Manny Ramirez with like one of his, you know, personal assistants or someone, uh, in the cage hitting at 6 AM. Um, so that was one of the biggest things that surprised me, you know, I mean, one of the greatest hitters, you know, in the game, you know, at that time. Um, and you know, there, there's been some stuff about him like, Oh, he doesn't work hard. Oh, he's lazy in the outfield, this and that. And, you know, while may, that may be true, you know, the guy works his tail off uh, behind the scenes. So that, so that was something that was really surprising for me. I mean, not really surprising. I, you know, I figured he worked hard, but to actually see it, um, mm. yeah, was, was big for me. Wow. Yeah. You'd think someone after all those years on the Red Sox and really yeah. having proven himself in so many ways, what would he be doing at 6am there? That's, that's right. Amazing. Right. I mean, and, and you know, the guy, I mean, he's made, I don't know, 80, hundred million, you know, on yeah. the tail end of his career has, you know, has all these home runs in the big leagues, established big leaguer. And uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's in the cage 6am. It's just, uh, yeah, it, it was mind blowing to me really. Just, wow. just because of who he was and what he had already accomplished. So, Wow. So if you were coaching someone who was like a professional level prospect and <laughs> they, were, they were in the cage at 6 a.m., they were doing all the right things, like how do, you, how do you get an edge in 2018 to be a pro athlete when there's all this science behind nutrition and everyone's working hard and I feel like it's probably more competitive than ever? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, again, for me, that kind of just goes back to discipline. Who, who wants it more? Do you want it more or does some guy in Florida want it more? So, right. you know, again, do, do, or do you have the discipline to stick to the diet, to stick to a training program, to tell your friends, hey, you know, I can't hang out tonight. I have a big workout tomorrow morning. Or, hey, I got to train, you know, today and tomorrow. Sorry, I can't make it. Um, right. that's, that's really what is going to continue to separate guys. Because, you know, I mean, I've played with and against guys growing up that were never the best players that – continued to grind and continued to work hard and surpassed guys that were better than it, better than them at the time and, and went on to, to do bigger and better things than, than those guys did. So, um, you know, that's really, that's really the biggest thing for me in 2018. There's, there's so much competition out there. There's, there's so many different things that guys can be doing. Um, but it's just doing that every single day and staying consistent with it. Cause this, this game, it, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, no, that's it's so funny you say that because I played uh, in high school. I played football and I also played tennis. And there was one guy who was 
an unbelievable tennis prodigy and for sure was like pro level quality. And he left our high school to go train in Florida for a while, but apparently he got, he, he got overweight and he started smoking. And there was always the number two guy in our high school who was talented, but nowhere near the first guy, Alex's level. <clears throat> and right. then Alex moved back to our high school and just assumed he was going to be playing first singles, be the captain of the team. And the second guy, Sammy, had been hitting balls at 6 a.m. every day with his dad for multiple wow. hours every day for five years and Sammy would just smoke this kid. He went on to play at UNC Greensboro, had a whole career. And it was just to your point about, you know, it's not always natural talent, it's the discipline. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there's so many different things that kids can be getting involved with today. It's, it's crazy, you know, and and especially with social media, all the stuff that goes on there. So, um, you know, I think, you know, what I tell a lot of my guys and what I kind of preach is tunnel vision is, you know, blocking out all that, extra BS and staying focused on what your long-term goals are. You know, there's always going to be someone, I mean, dude, you know, so many times guys, guys would ask me like, Hey, like, you know, you want to, you want to smoke or, Hey, do you like, do you want to this? It's like, no, no. And I, and I don't care what you think of me. You know, that's not, that's not who I am. And that's not part of my long-term goals. So I think that that outside pressure is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, especially with today, it's going to, it's tough, it's tough to avoid it. But, but again, if, if you stay disciplined and, and, you know, grew up the right way, you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I want to ask you a question that came to my mind as I was thinking about Andre Agassi. Uh, I mentioned tennis and I started remembering that I read his autobiography called open last year. And it was an interesting, but also controversial read because he had struggled with drugs a little bit and he had a very domineering pressuring father, um, from Iran who really pressured him to just play. And and it turned out that Andre was kind of pushed into tennis and didn't really enjoy it. And I'm curious if you've seen that at all in your experiences, either as a player or now as a trainer, and do you have any messaging to the parents out there of Hmm. how to, you know, really motivate and be that father or mother figure and help your children, but not push them too hard where it's like, they don't want to be doing this kind of thing. I'm just curious if you've seen that at all. Yeah, no, I, I've definitely seen that. Um, and, and, you know, one thing I recommend to parents is to, you know, almost like give their son like an option and, and not get upset at them if they don't want to do it, right. you know, like encourage them to work hard, encourage them to do those different things, encourage them to go do some extra training. Um, but, but, you know, don't get upset about it because you, you don't want your son to, um, you know, almost start looking at you like, Oh, like they're asking me again to like work out. Like, Oh, they're asking me again. You know, you just, you want to be that constant support system. You don't want to be looked at as, uh, as someone who's pushing them too much. I, I, what I tell my athletes, parents is, you know, you need to, um, constantly be positive with them, especially in baseball, because this game is built around failure. If you fail 70% of the time, you know, you're one of the greatest players in your league. Um, certainly in major league baseball. So, you know, and, and just, and just to understand that this game is built around failure and, and to understand that it's a process and, and don't get upset if they fail, don't get upset if, you know, one day they don't want to do a training, um, just stay positive with them and encourage them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting because it kind of ties into the, the <clears throat> mental aspect of the game. I feel like baseball and, and golf as well are very mental sports. Oh Yeah. And I want to ask you, I have an outline of questions, but I'm going off on tangents here. I hope that's no, okay. No, that's fine. No, absolutely. Bring it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so 
uh, a question I have for you, you know, you're a trainer, you, you know all the fundamentals of the game and baseball and discipline. But what if someone came to you who maybe was a very talented player, professional level or whatever, and they say, Jordan, look, I know how to play this game. I've demonstrated success at a high level, but I'm in a slump right now. How do you, how would you coach, how did you coach yourself out of slumps if you were ever in them? And how would you coach someone out of, out of a slump? Because that's probably more of a mental than a technical problem. Yeah, hundred percent. And, that, and that's a great question. That's something that I dealt with in pro ball. That's something that everyone deals with in pro ball. Um, for me, I, I would almost like trick myself, you know, cause once you start getting in a slump, all these things start going in your mind. You're like, Oh, I suck. Oh, this, like, Oh, that I can't, I can't see the ball, you know? Oh, I suck. I'm the worst player. Um, yeah. and for me, it was just, I, I would just trick myself. So I'd say you're the best player. You're the best hitter. You know, this pitcher sucks. I'm way better than him. You know, his fastball sucks. It's slow. You know, even if the go even if the baseball at the time looked like a golf ball, you know, yeah. so it, a lot of that was just, uh, was just tricking myself, um, and, and trying to stay positive, you know, but again, that's, that's one of the toughest things about the game is, is staying positive when you're terrible and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, in baseball, you're going to be terrible at times. So it, it's, do you have that mental strength, mental toughness and mental cues to say, Hey, it's okay. This is part of the game. I'm the best player. I'm going to get a hit. I'm going to hit the ball hard. Um, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to battle. I'm going to grind, you know, just all, all kinds of like those positive things. Yeah. Positive. Positive reinforcement in short. Totally. That, that sounds so helpful really in any area <laughs> of your life. And, and I like what you said also, just going back to that, how the guy who fails 65 or 70% of the time is one of the best hitters in his league. Yep. And I, it's like not being that perfectionist. Like you go out to bats, like you have to get a hit every time because right. also right. not it, it, Well, it's tough. And, and, and one thing that I tell, you know, my athletes is, is, don't try to get a hit, try to have a quality at bat, try to hit the ball as hard as you can, hits will come. And, and, you know, kind of going back to my pro career, right. um, the, the best I ever was as a professional athlete, I wasn't even trying to get hits. I, I, I was simply just trying to have a good at bat, get a good pitch to hit and hit the ball hard. That's all I was trying to do. And, right. and from a mental standpoint, it, it kind of kept me sane because I, I wouldn't get upset if, if I had a bad at bat or if I didn't get a hit because that wasn't my goal. My goal was just, you know, to hit the ball hard. If it, if it happened, great. If not, there's another at bat. So, yeah. but, but again, that, you know, that, that really takes time that, that takes, it takes time to develop that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I uh, wanted to also ask you something that just kind of popped into my mind is uh, film and the, the importance of studying film, game film. I actually just watched this movie about football called Any Given Sunday. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, it's a great, that's a great one. Is that with uh, Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx plays, like, the up-and-coming third-string yep. quarterback who takes over. Yeah. He, yep. He's kind of like the arrogant guy who has two good games. <clears throat> he's Joe Montana. And then right. you have Dennis Quaid, who plays, like, the longtime Dan Marino-ish type quarterback, right. who's, in right. the, who's in the house watching film. And I've also watched a bunch of documentaries like the ESPN 30 for 30s. And you see, like we were talking about earlier, the power of kind of the behind the scenes. Right. And I was curious, like in baseball specifically, I remember reading an interview about Kurt Schilling, pitcher, and he was talking about how he goes into film. He does so much more film research on himself and watching the mechanics of, as a pitcher, especially. But I'm curious, what was your experience like with film? And just when you look at people at a high level, 
how important is film in, in just, you know, having a successful career? Yeah, I think, I think it's important just to pick up kind of tendencies. You know, you can see certain things that are happening during certain at-bats. And, and, you know, also you may have an unsuccessful at-bat because you think you, I don't know, dropped your back shoulder when in fact, you know, it could have been a bad pitch, which caused, you know, your back shoulder to drop. And, and that's huge for going forward because it's a completely different, it's a completely different adjustment. You know, right. one of them, one of them is, oh, it's just a mechanical flaw. My back shoulder dropped when, when really it was about your pitch selection. So mm-hmm. in ba- baseball, I think there's a lot of that. That's huge because there's just so many different things that can go wrong in a swing. And if you don't know what, what the issue was and you make the incorrect adjustment, it's not going to help you going forward. So, and that's, and that's one of the biggest things for me. And that's probably something that's difficult at an amateur level to identify. Um, and that's why I require, or not require, I, I, I really like it when my parents film and then send it to me because, yeah. you know, they could say, oh, gosh, Johnny, he's grounding out every time. Like, oh, this, oh, that. When, you know, maybe he's taking a great swing on a great pitch and he's just a little on top of it. Or, right. you know, maybe he took a great swing on a great pitch and he was just a little early on it and fouled it off. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different things that can go wrong in a swing. So, um, yeah, video analysis for me is huge and it wasn't as big or as publicized back when I played. Um, but I think more and more, uh, today, today it's getting a lot of, a uh, lot of notoriety. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And I wanted to just also ask you, uh, about health and wellness. Like we talked about diet earlier, we connected yep. on Instagram and I mean, I have to admit, I was looking at your Instagram story today and you're just yep you with that quinoa bowl with egg whites and avocados. Yeah. Yep. I, I think this is something that can probably apply to anyone who's, who's tuning in and listening to this episode is not only people at, at a high professional athlete level, but just in general, like we have an obesity epidemic, we have people who are not eating right. And, but let's, let's start with just kind of how nutrition became a part of your life through sports. And then maybe we can go from there and general advice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so nutrition started, you know, big for me when I would say it was probably 2012. I, I, unfortunately I had hip and shoulder surgery, um, a week apart and I was like, okay, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be the athlete that, you know, has two surgeries and is inactive for nine months and, you know, gets overweight and, and this and that. Um, so that's when I really started implementing, you know, a, a better diet because mm-hmm. I wasn't able to train as much. You know, my diet then is nowhere near to where it is now. And again, it took time to develop and understand and, and learn and grow. Um, but that was kind of the, the, the real, you know, trigger for me was, hey, I'm having two surgeries. I'm a professional athlete. You know, you need to make the adjustment. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't eating bad at the time, but, but I certainly wasn't eating like I should. So. Got it. And, and wh- where do you fall on the spectrum in terms of like what you think kind of an optimal diet would look like? Because there's obviously all these fads and different things out there. Some people are vegetarian, vegan, paleo, you know, whole foods, like low. So wh- where do you, what would you say is kind of the optimal diet? Um, you know, for me, I, I would probably say I'm a combination of like paleo, keto and vegan. I mean, I, kinda, I eat really all that stuff. One, one of the biggest things that I just I don't eat is processed foods. That, that is something I'm, I'm big against. Um, recently, I haven't been I haven't been having uh, I haven't been consuming any dairy 
Um, the only dairy I did consume was like organic cottage cheese and organic Greek yogurt for the probiotics and protein content in it. Um, but I've recently just taken that out just to kind of see how my body reacts. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say that's kind of where my diet is right now. Um, I, you know, I, I stick to, um, healthy carbs such as, um, you know, quinoa, yams, a little bit of brown rice, not much. Um, and then protein is just, uh, you know, fish, chicken. I'll have some grass fed beef mm, twice a month. Um, yeah. And then just, you know, fruits and vegetables. I love that. I love how you say no processed food because that's kind of the crux of the problem in our country in a lot of ways. Absolutely. But you're also also not, sounds like you're not this intense perfectionist that can kind of set you up for failure where it's like no red meat ever. Like if you want a steak once a month, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and that's, and you know, people, you know, people see my Instagram stuff and you know, they're always asking me like, Oh, you know, your diet, you're this, you're that. It's so hard when really it's, it's not, for me, it's not hard. You know, I understand someone making the change why initially it would be hard, but yeah. you know, I don't, I don't count anything. I don't weigh anything. I, mm-hmm. I, I eat when I'm hungry. I, and I stop when I'm not hungry. Um, and, and I just know, you know, what foods I can eat. Um, and I, and I have a general idea of the portion size and, and that's really it. You know, I just, I, I really, I really stay away from, from processed stuff. I read the ingredients on back of, of anything that's packaged just to see what's in there. Yeah. Um, and, and just a general rule of thumb for everyone. If you can't read an ingredient, <laughs> you probably shouldn't buy that, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, and, you know, that's kind of really the biggest thing for me um, is, is just keeping things simple, simple, yeah. simple, simple. And, and, you know, I understand cooking and all that stuff is hard um, during the week, but, uh, you know, meal prepping and all that can help. <laughs> totally. I, I just want to share two funny things that I read. One is the language test, which is if the food is the same word in every language, like Doritos, Big Mac, yeah. but, you know, if it's, if it's the same thing, right. don't eat it. Don't eat it. That's <laughs> funny. Then, I, I actually haven't heard that one. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like Dunkaroo, Oreo, you know, um, and then the other, the other one was, uh, the grandma test. Like if you're, if you told your grandma, you were going to be eating this and she's like, you're eating what? And she's never heard of it. You know, like she'll know what a a salad is. Right. Uh, Exactly. No, that's so true. Um, yeah, that's so true. That's funny. I've never heard of those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think I got those from Michael Pollan. He wrote this book, uh, about, about, he calls it the food rules. And he says, he's got three rules. One is, uh, eat real food as opposed to processed. Um, not too much, meaning portion size and then mostly plants or lean protein. Yep. Yep. Plants and lean protein is huge. Um, and you know, just touch on a quick one of, if you're having a lot of chicken and not enough fish, you're going to have a lot higher omega-6 in your body versus omega-3. Mm. Omega-6 omega leads to inflammation and, or has been known to cause inflammation. Um, so anyone out there listening and you eat a lot of chicken, just yeah. supplement with either fish or fish oil pills. Yeah, no, that that's, I've never heard that. So thank you. And that's also really useful for me because I can get into chicken. Now, the meal prep thing, I, I just want to ask you about because, again, I see you crushing it on Instagram with these – and they, the food looks so good, too. It's not like yeah. – like what you're eating looks genuinely delicious and healthy. Yep. Um, but even myself, like I'm looking at that. I'm looking at what you had for breakfast this morning, and I'm like, I'm like feeling overwhelmed with all the work that I got to do on my business. And like I had a protein bar, and I had like you know some vegetables and stuff this morning. But like 
how, any advice on how to, because once you get into the habit, like you're obviously you have a routine now where you probably go to Whole Foods or you go wherever, and this is yep. your life. So it's easy for you now. But for someone who wants to break into the, and cultivate this type of pattern and lifestyle, how would you recommend they get started onto this path? Yeah. So I, for me, the, the toughest things um, that I guess the toughest part about cooking is how long it takes. So if you can minimize the stuff that takes the longest, yeah, that's best. So for example, quinoa, great for you. Sweet potatoes, great for you, but it takes so long to cook. So if you can cook those in bulk and then just, you know, package those or whatever, and then, you know, it's not hard to make two eggs in the morning right? Two eggs and an avocado um, with some salsa is like excellent, you know, in addition with, with the quinoa or the sweet potatoes. So that's really the biggest thing that, that I do is, you know, I will make some eggs probably after this, I'll, I'll throw a couple of eggs on the grill and, and then, uh, and then I'll just get some quinoa that I have in my fridge and dump it on the plate and I'm good to go. So that's, that's really a, an easy, simple way to kind of get started with the meal prepping process. Right. Um, start small, get big. So simplify the, the quinoa and the sweet potato cooking and build from there. Got it. That that's, you're just like blowing my mind right now. I'm like, I could do that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the quinoa, it, it's super easy. You just throw it in a big old pan and it's two to one ratio. So if you get, you know, if you have a thing that's four cups of quinoa, eight cups of water, and, and that'll last you a long time. So when you just put it in little bowls, package it and throw it in the fridge and, and you kind of have that to go as needed. Got it. Yeah, no, that's again, so helpful. Now I want to ask you about, um, about portion control, especially as someone who is a former professional athlete who is probably burning a ridiculous amount of calories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you look at, you look at Michael Phelps and he's eating like four hamburgers for lunch and, yep. you know, uh, I've met a good amount of professional athletes. Like I used to work at the Yankees and the NFL and you see a lot of these guys who sadly get pretty heavy. Um, yep. you know, yep. cause they're used to burning five, 10,000 calories a day and, right. and they used to be able to eat whatever they want and stay right. skinny. So right. I, I, the corollary that I think brought, opens this question up to a wider audience is high school athletes, for example, because playing sure. college sports is much more competitive. So you take the average guy who let's say played basketball and football in high school or baseball in high school, but now like maybe doesn't make the club baseball team or maybe he's just busy with class and he puts on that freshman 15 or whatever (laughs) which I definitely did yeah (laughs) and then or take the guy who's like um athletic in college and goes to the gym a lot but now he's at the in the real world working a nine to five and drives to and from work and he doesn't make it to the gym except on the weekends How, how do you how do you make that adjustment and well maybe let's start with your personal experience of going from pro athlete to like okay now your probably caloric intake should be a little bit lower Right. So what, what I did, you know, I, I think there's a couple of different adjustments you can do. You know, one of them, what I did when I had my surgery was I, I consumed better foods. I think, I think that's huge. Cause you know, a lot of like those processed foods that have all these bad ingredients and in it will lead to weight gain. So I think that's one of them is cleaning up your diet, eating better foods. Um, you know, the second one for me, if you're going to, if you're, if you're going from, you know, professional athlete to now your everyday guy or college, college, uh, you know, students, you know, working in the real world and don't have as much time to get to the gym. Um, I think what you can do is spread out your meals and eat more protein versus eating more carbs or, or more fats. I, I would shift my diet to, to consuming, you know, if you're used to consuming one handful of 
protein, consume one and a half handfuls of protein, and then, you know, deduct a half a handful from carbs just to right. keep it, to keep it super simple. So, so again, two adjustments for me, either clean up the diet and the ingredients or consume more protein and smaller meals throughout the day. Yes. Yes. I've definitely heard about that. And, and I'd love to just also talk a little bit about, about training in the gym. You know, the nutrition is obviously important, but yep. you are a trainer. I also want to spend a bunch of time talking about your 365 sports Academy. So maybe this yep. is a good transition, but maybe before we dive into what that exactly is, um, you know, what's your training regimen like and what, you know, would you recommend if someone, I mean, obviously you're coaching uh, athletes, but just kind of the average guy or girl out there listening, like how often should they be going to the gym? What should they be doing? Like, what do you see versus what you recommend? Yeah. You know, I, I guess it all depends on, on someone's schedule. I, I would certainly, I would certainly say, you know, maybe four times a week is a, is a good schedule. I, I'm right now probably on five or, or sometimes six, six days a week, just depending on when I can get in. Um, and for example, on my training, um, Mondays is an upper body workout. Tuesdays is a lower body workout. Wednesdays is kind of like a a cardio slash circuit day to kind of get moving and and flush out the muscles and all the lact and the lactic acid in the muscles. Um, Thursday is like an off day. And then Friday, Friday is an upper pull. Saturday is like another circuit Sunday's off. So, but if I'm feeling good, I'll work out that Thursday. Um, for an everyday person, I'd probably say, you know, get in the gym on a Monday and I would go with like an upper body workout. That's always like, you know, the workout that, that guys like is the upper body. So start that off in the week, you know, start out hot, throw some weight around, um, Tuesday, have a nice off day, Wednesday, go with a lower body workout, Thursday off Friday, another, uh, another workout. And then Saturday as well, if you want. But I think if you go hard enough in the gym, you really only need three to four days. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's the other end of the spectrum is there's some people out there who try to get into the gym twice a day and they're killing themselves and they're overdoing it. Too much. It's too, it's, yeah, it's too much. You know, I think, you know, and, and this is what I tell my athletes, you know, a training program and, and working out and, and this and that is great, but you also need to have that rest period. So, and, and I wouldn't even, you know, some people say, oh, a one hour workout is great, is, you know, perfect. Or my workout should take an hour and a half when it's like, you know, really doesn't need to take that. As long as you hit everything, yeah. it doesn't matter how long it takes. And, and what I honestly recommend to people is try and get in and out of the gym as fast as possible. So if you have on there, you know, a ton of different upper body workouts, you know, knock those out. Don't spend a couple minutes in between each set. Spend 30 seconds to a minute in between each set and knock those out so i mean and and you'll you'll see greater not only will you see greater gains but but you know you also get in and out of the gym you'll be you'll be efficient with your time yeah do you believe in supersetting and going from one exercise to the other within the same circuit yeah i do so so for example what i did yesterday um yesterday i did a warm-up with clap push-ups Nice. I think it was uh, six sets of three. And then I went into dumbbell pressing. So what, whenever I do like a heavy main lift, such as dumbbell pressing or back squatting or deadlifting, that's all I do for that particular, uh, that, for that particular set. I focus on that and I'll rest a little bit more. So maybe I'll take a minute to rest in between each set, sometimes a little more if I'm maxing out. Right. Um, but yesterday I did, I did four sets of five on dumbbell press. Um, and then I went on to, um, dumbbell row and I superset it with band pull aparts and, and then I rested a minute. 
so I do, I, I do incorporate supersetting into, into my program. Um, but, uh, but again, you know, whenever I'm lifting, whenever I'm doing the heavy main lift, I just focus on that. Yeah. Nice. Do you have like a, a one rep max, either like bench squat or deadlift that you're like really proud of? Like one of those three? Yeah. So I hit, um, you know, last week I did, I did 430 on, on deadlifts. Um, and that was, that was the first time I really kind of maxed out on, on deadlifts. Um, yeah. And that's good. You know, I weigh, I weigh 200 pounds. So any, you know, two to one, anything above two to one on, on the deadlift is good. Um, certainly working on bringing that up a little bit, but, uh, you know, I do so many different exercises. So yeah. That's awesome, man. That's a lot of 45s on each side. <laughs> I know it's stacking it up. Yeah. It's like, uh, how many is it? It's four of them. And then plus a little more. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's sick, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. Cool. So let's, let's talk about 360. <clears throat> academy i, I want to hear all about it and i think it's really inspiring especially because there are a lot of pro athletes who kind of transition and they don't know where to go so let's start with the story of how you went from you know baseball to this yeah so i i got involved with um another guy and like another academy right right out of uh, pro ball when i was going back to school and i just started training athletes you know i, I trained some friends um or some some family friends i had trained um, some guys that, that I knew were interested in training and I was just doing it kind of here or there. And, and then all of a sudden I just, all this word of mouth started going on. I started getting clients all over the place. Um, so that's really how I initially got started training athletes. Um, I then went on to start my own, uh, travel ball organization. Um, I had three teams. I was training all kinds of athletes. My schedule was crazy. Um, so, so unfortunately I, I went away from the teams and, and then I strictly went into the player development side. Um, right. and, and that's, and that's really how, kind of how I got started. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't really a plan, um, once I finished college, but, but like I said, after I finished pro ball, I had two years of college and, and two years of, you know, training athletes. And right. then when I finished college, I was like, okay, well, I'm doing well. I don't, I don't need to go, you know, search for a nine to five. Let, let, let's focus on building this business. Yeah. Yeah. Lots to talk about there as someone who also doesn't have a nine to five yeah, uh, yeah, and, and the pros and cons, but so, so kind of what's your, what's your target? You know, if someone's listening right now and might be interested in what you offer, like who's your target client? Like what's their age, assuming they're a baseball player. Um, yep. like you focus on coaching training. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I train. I train a wide variety of athletes, um, anywhere from you know ten years old to twenty-five years old in, in baseball. Um, and then after that, it's anywhere from fifteen to like forty. Any of my any of my training clients that I that I take to a gym, or I go to their house, or any of them that I train remotely um, right. via, via Skype or FaceTime. Um, yeah, so that that's really my that's really my target. Th those are the athletes I train. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. And what's your experience been like doing this? Because I'm sure there have been, you've probably encountered a lot of different personalities. And now once, once you start accepting money from people and providing services, yeah. that's kind yeah. of its own world. And you know, something no you about when you were playing sports and so, cause we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening. So kind of what's that experience yeah. been like for you? Like the experience of, of training guys and, and, uh, like training different, um, the experience training different or people with different like uh approaches or 
Well, no, like yeah. I meant more kind of like dealing with different personalities oh, and yeah. what it's like to just actually run a business and, you know, think <clears throat> yeah. about, you know, once you start accepting, people start paying you for stuff, then expectations come in, emotions can come up. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, I think a lot, I think something I deal with a lot is, you know, I deal with a lot of different athletes who, you know, some are younger and, and not as motivated, but they're there for their parents. Right. Um, versus some guys who are high school, college and pro guys where they're there for them and they're getting after it where they have higher expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of it too, for me is for my younger athletes is, or for my younger athletes, parents, um, is, is them understanding that this game is like a process and they're not going to see results right away. And if their son goes, Oh, for three with three strikeouts, it's not because they suck, yeah. you know, or not because I suck. It's just, it's part of the game. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, going to my, my personal training clients and and my remote clients, um, you know, about seeing results and all that stuff. Um, you you know, again, that takes time, you know, and and I think it kind of goes back to discipline and and being patient and understanding that, you know, results aren't going to happen right away. You know, you're building a pyramid. You have to, you know, start here and and be in it for the long haul. You know, you're not going to, not going to see long-term progress or, or, or great results, you know, in one month time, but, you know, put, put together, you know, one month, two months, three months, four months, five months, six months, then see where you're at, have a good, you know, four months, five months, six months, and, and then assess. And then if you're not seeing something, then, okay, let's make a change. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that that's kind of the problem um, with, with, you know, some of, some of my clients today is that they want everything now, 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 now. Yeah. especially with social media. And, and I just try to bring them down to earth and say, Hey guys, like, you know, this is going to take time. It's, it's, there's a reason why not everyone can be a professional athlete. There's a reason why, you know, not everyone, you know, is whatever super fit or whatever. It's, it, it's because it takes time. Yeah. That, that's a really good point. This instant gratification world we live in where especially someone- social media. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I coach people and business and different areas of their life too. And someone will come to me 200 pounds overweight and I'll put them on a new plan, new food. And they're like, Brendan, I gained one pound this week. Like what's going on? Yeah, it's like yeah. sometimes, you know, your body has to adjust to these new things. Yeah. And- yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, you know, did you go to the bathroom like this morning? Like you could be holding extra weight, you know, something yeah. like that. So. I mean, I could tell them to not drink water for three days and they'll lose five pounds, but they also might die. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and actually, you know, one of, one of my clients who's, who, um, who's a woman, I trained her and her husband, you know, she's, she lives in Newport beach and she's very, um, you know, in tune with her body and how she looks and, and feels and she looks great. She looks great. But she, you know, the other day she was mentioning how, you know, she's like, Oh, I gained, like I'm up a pound. I don't know what's going on. And and then I was just like, well, you know, what, what did you eat the last couple of days? Like, what did yeah. you eat today? You know, yeah. that all vary. and then I was like, and then I told her, I was like, Hey, you know, don't, don't be so concerned about like what the scale looks like. You yeah. know, how do you look? How do you feel? Most importantly, how do you feel? Yes. You know, I, I don't, I don't eat, I don't eat this healthy and I don't train this much because like, I want to look, I want to look a certain way. I, I do it because I feel great because I can work. 12, 14, 16 hour days and, you know, kill myself for my business and, and I can do it consistently. You know, I have, I have like that, the, those good quality nutrients to fuel my body. And, you know, I don't, my goal isn't to have some shredded six pack. It's just a result of, you know, what I do in my training program. That's really it. 
I, I can resonate with that so much because as someone who kind of grew up in this Americanized, like very Western lifestyle and experience, I went to college, I would go to parties, be hungover. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, now it's like, I look at a beer and I'm like, first of all, I know what that's going to do to my body. And it's not even yeah. about calories. It's about the fact that if I just pound a water and an herbal tea and I go to bed early, I'm going to crush it tomorrow and I'm going to feel no good. Doubt. And no I doubt. I see people who are like, they're sick all the time. And half the time it's because they're eating all this processed food and all the chemicals going through their body. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and that's, and, and that's like why, why I love what I do is because when you get someone who, you know, is, is doing those things and you make that adjustment, they're just like, wow, how, how much better they feel mm-hmm. um, is, is huge. And I mean, that, that I mean, that's going to translate to, I mean, future success in their personal life, their business life. I mean, you know, there's so many benefits to, to those things. So yeah, it's, it's huge. And, and, that, and that's why I love what I do. I, I love seeing just the progress with people when they put in the work and they get the results that they want, you know? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Do you have like a favorite success story of someone you've worked with? Made yeah. 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 So, um, you know, one of my guys, his name's Josh. Um, he, he came to me after, after his junior year of high school, um, his father was telling me how, you know, he had a full ride scholarship to USC, um, for baseball, but he needed, you know, tremendous work in the outfield. And, uh, and I'll never forget, you know, the first day I worked with him, um, hitting fly balls. And, and I mean, he had trouble like catching certain fly balls, like just me. And, you know, the guy's a top prospect. He's on full ride scholarship to USC and he had trouble catching basic fly balls. And, and I remember calling my brother, after and I was like because my brother was a professional outfielder as well and I was like dude I, I just worked with this guy Josh he's going to USC I was like I don't know how he's going to USC he, he can't catch a ball that's over his head he, he turns over the wrong shoulder he runs the wrong route blah 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 so I worked with Josh consistently from that summer his junior year until his senior year of, of high school um, and a testament to Josh I mean this kid works his tail off and, you know, he wasn't a bad outfielder because he was a bad athlete. He was just a bad outfielder at the time because he didn't have the right footwork down. He, didn't, he wasn't getting great reads. Uh, he wasn't running great routes. So there was so much potential there for him, you know, right. once he got those things cleaned up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going, going back to kind of his future, he, he was drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies and, and signed a pretty big contract. Um, and he's currently playing professional baseball for, for the Phillies organization. Um, yeah. So, so for me, you know, it, but, but again, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier about, you know, discipline and and work ethic and stuff like that. I mean, this guy is the epitome of that. He, and I still, I still train him to this day. So I I still train him. He was drafted in 2016. I was training him in 2015. Um, I still train him to this day. So I train him every off season. That's that's really impressive. Congrats on what you were able to do for him. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny thinking back on that. Just like, man, like Josh, I, I'll even tell him. He doesn't care. I'll even tell him, like, dude, remember when, like, you had trouble catching a fly ball, like, over your head? No, but that, I mean, that, that demonstrates a lot of hope for someone who might be struggling in something that kind of seems so basic and obvious of, like, what can be overcome. Right. And, and you know, I've, uh, just kind of going back, because, you know, some pe- some people like, you know, personal trainers or, or sport trainers, like they get like a bad, you know, some of them get a bad rap or, or they're, you know, like, oh, do you really need that? Or, oh, what's the value in that? Yeah. But I get, I think, you know, for me more specifically is, is I can see, you know, what he's doing wrong. It's not, it wasn't, he wasn't 
missing five balls because of his speed. He wasn't missing five balls because he was a bad athlete. It was, it was just simply because he had poor footwork, poor reads, poor routes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and actually I'm, I'm working with, uh, I'm starting to work with a new athlete, uh, next week who just came to me, um, came to me yesterday or phone call yesterday. Um, kind of the same issues that Josh has have that Josh had back then. And this guy's committed to the university of Washington and he's trying to be a pro prospect as well. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what's going on with him. Apparently he's a, he's a big prospect, but again, has issues in the outfield. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, to see him next week. Yeah, no, that I'm, I'm curious to hear how that plays out and what's going on with him. And I also just want to kind of really strongly reiterate, especially to our listeners out there, the importance and power of getting a trainer or someone like you, Jordan, to help out because I just from my own personal uh, workout routines, like not pro, of course, but just kind of to stay in shape and be fit. I graduated college and I felt like I had a pretty good workout routine and I'd read a lot of books about working out and fitness and, you know, the Marky Ripito stuff of like the perfect form. So I thought I was doing pretty well. And then, um, you know, I got paid a small bonus in my first job and I was like, you know what, what money best spent is on your own health and wellness. And I bought like a 20 pack of training sessions from uh, the Equinox gym here in New York city. And I became good friends with this personal trainer. And I mean, he just took me, I thought I was like eight out of 10 in terms of knowledge. I was really like two out of 10, which I knew a good amount, which means most people are probably even lower. And I just, I mean, I just spent so much time with him and like, he just taught me so much, mostly about like fundamentals and posture and how to avoid injury, like, especially when you're talking with weightlifting stuff. hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, a lot of, you know, you can make tremendous progress in the gym if you start incorporating like some of the Olympic lifting stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, kind of going back to what you said about posture and form and technique, that yeah. stuff requires a lot of, you know, time, posture, technique, stuff like that. Um, but you can see tremendous gains um, in, in your, you know, body and growth if you incorporate that into your program for sure. But, but you know, those, those take time. There, there are some lower level exercises that, that mimic that mimic those Olympic liftings that, that you can still incorporate if you're kind of on a novice level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was really impatient and uh, my trainer Geppetto was like, all right, we're going to spend like the next four sessions just doing like air squats to get the right form down. The, and I was like, right. I don't want to squat air. I want to squat, you know, three yeah. plates. And, yeah. I want to, want to lift. I want to toss some heavy weight around. Come on. Yeah. And, and he's like, sure you can, but you won't be able to walk on your knees in 10 years, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's great. I mean, I think, and, and you know, for, for me, I, I, I back squat, I, I front squat, I deadlift, I do all those, all those Olympic lifting stuff, but, but it took me time to really get that down. And, and, you know, even some days my, my form and technique isn't perfect. You know, no yeah. one's perfect every day. So yeah. I, I, I think it's just about, um, you know, getting in the gym and, and doing some different exercises to kind of strengthen and, and get yourself ready for those Olympic lifts. And, and, yeah. and there's, there's nothing wrong with, with starting with just the bar and working on and working on form and technique. I mean, every time I warm up, I warm up with the bar, you yeah. know, I make sure my body is, is moving correctly and I'm feeling good, you know, seeing if my hips tight, low backs tight, whatever it is, just, and, and making adjustments. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, I'd love to dive into just a quick rapid round and then get ready to wrap up. Let's do it. All right. Number one, uh, favorite baseball player of all time. Favorite baseball player of all time. Oh my gosh. That is the toughest question. <laughs> favorite baseball player of all time. Mariano Rivera. Guy's nice. nasty. Yankees. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the best advice someone has ever given you. 
best advice someone has ever given me, trust the process. Mm. So trust the process that everything isn't going to come to you right away, that you're not going to see results right away, but just trusting that everything you're doing each day is going to get you to your long-term goal. Yes, absolutely. Favorite book you've ever read? Favorite book I ever read was the, gosh, they made a movie out of it. Lone Survivor. Uh, did you ever see that oh, one? Oh, I, I read that book. Yeah, yeah. I read that book. Um, I read the book actually when I was playing in the Northeast. Um, Lone Survivor, they did. They made a movie about it with Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I read that book during one of my professional baseball seasons. And uh, man, I, I'll never forget, we'd be on the, we'd be traveling somewhere to another city. And I, I would literally not put that book down until 2 a.m. It was just, it was, it was awesome. And then they came out with a movie a couple years later. So it was cool. Yes, I read that. I mean, the first like third of that book goes through the Navy SEAL training process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It goes through the training. And, and I think, I think what I most liked about that book was how it like, how I was able to paint like a picture of what was going on. I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. It's because I could almost like visualize what was going on. It was yeah. so, it was, it was such a well-written book. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. What's your go-to pump up song when you're in the gym? Go-to pump up song. Oh man. My go-to pump up song. Let's see. I, I know I have one right here. Oh, <laughs> it's called, uh, it's this one right here. It's called Dubai. Let's see. <laughs> Am I allowed to cuss on here? Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so, the, the, so the one I like right now, for, for whatever reason, maybe it's the beat or something, but I, it's by the, the favorite pump-up song uh, today is Huncho Jack Dubai Shit. I don't know why, I just like it. It's a good, <laughs> like, got a good little beat. <laughs> Huncho Jack, what's the song? Uh, it's called Dubai Shit. Dubai Shit. All right, yeah. I am going to listen to that and probably work out to that later today. Yeah, yeah check it out. It's funny. It's good stuff. Uh, Cool. Cool. Well, so thanks so much for coming on. This has been a blast and I'm really yeah. excited to keep in touch. Uh, where can people find you? Like what's your website, your Instagram handle? Yeah. Um, so my website is 365sportsacademy.com. Um, and my Instagram handle is underscore Jordan trip underscore. So yeah, this has been fun. Thanks for having me on.